You forgot. I, I fine. I, it's my fault. <laughs> Welcome to Faith and Faith, a pastoral podcast that discusses common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. Even though we're all annoyed. And my name is Matt Miller. And I'm Matt Henry. And I'm Grayson Gilbert. This is gonna be terrible <laughs> because Matt and I are sharing a mic, and they're very awkwardly close. I have my arm around his back right now. <laughs> He just smoked the pipe, so this is (laughs) real special. In in my hotel room. So you're not going to get the quality sound that we normally do in our undisclosed bunker. The smooth tones. (laughs) (laughs) We're at the end of a conference. We're all tired. We're in a train station. Yeah, in St. Louis. It's really cool. Yeah. But I screwed up, and I didn't understand that I had to bring a second little doohickey. That's the technical term yeah so we're sharing so we can't put three mics we have to put two mics and um hence awkwardness yeah it's like a doo-wop special two on the opposite side of the mic yeah you gotta talk a little louder though because you're not coming through with (laughs) (laughs) you're gonna get some room sound and yeah yeah it is what it is anyhow so what what are we gonna do well well, hot topic well first of all why don't you i mean what are we at where are we right now Hot topics. <laughs> what do you mean? We are at hot topics. Why are we here? Oh, what do you mean here, here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People have questions. <laughs> You're a literalist. That's why you are a pre-mill. Yes. Uh, wooden, too. We're yes. at a, um, <laughs> a, a, a NAM conference. Uh, What's NAM? A, a North American Mission Board Church Planning. This is a Midwest regional conference. Yes. And... It happens once a year, and if you're a church planner, you get to come, and so that's why we're here. And it's a time that they just try to encourage planters, and they feed you good food and try to care for you. Yeah, they actually put us up in a really, really nice hotel, um, St. Louis Union Union Station Station Hotel. It's the former, like, where it was a gateway into the West, and all these trains would come to this major I don't know, station terminal, and they converted it to a hotel and everything. It is, I mean, they got a Ferris wheel, mini golf, aquarium. Um, It's a nice place. Yeah, it's absolutely beautiful. We just had good seafood. Mm -hmm. Yes, Yesterday, we had what? Um, Well, we skipped out on the meal, except for your dessert you snuck in and ate chocolate mousse. Yeah, I did. And you had no shame about it. Yep, and we took a selfie with it. Yeah. You me, did? Me and Grace. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we that's sent right. It to you, you sent it to me because I was looking for you and because you weren't where you're supposed to be. And instead, you were down there getting. Dessert. We were right exactly where we were supposed Technically to be. Technically speaking, yes. Technically. Yes. You were wandering somewhere aimlessly at like, like, like Joe Biden. Senile <laughs> old man in Union Station. I needed an Easter bunny to help guide me. <laughs> so then you, you, you popped up somewhere and we saw you in the distance. So we took a picture of you and sent it to you. <laughs> That's right. 
Yeah. I did the same yeah, thing to Grayson this morning <laughs> for breakfast as he's walking down and I'm sending him pictures of us and he still couldn't find us. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was fun. All right. So anyhow, that's why we're here. And uh, and we thought I, I'm going away on a sabbatical. This will be the last thing you record. Yeah. So we thought we'd squeeze in a few more, um, whatever these things are called, episodes. And it's Hot Topic. I don't have my computer up here, so we can't play the Hot Pocket song. Yeah. <clears throat> Anyhow. So. Well, first of all, are you back on Twitter? I am back on Twitter. I I dumped my account back when I thought when you can shut down a sitting president, that there's, there's just, it's broken. So we sh- well, we should also let them know that Faith and Fable is now back on Twitter. Yeah, we are Faith and Fables on Twitter. I'm on Twitter, and that really is all you need to know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I have three followers. So look for Pastor Matt Henry, or past yeah, Pastor Matthew Henry, or Pastor. I don't even know what my own handle is, but um, do you have a Twitter, Grayson? I do. You, you, what is you it? do. Uh, so we have one for the page for the course in the chaos. Yeah, but we well, don't. You can't advertise that, that on here. You got to pay to advertise. On look, this. I'm here, so I'm just going to say it. <laughs> And uh, I do have a personal one, but I literally never go on that one. You want to buy a mug? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. He was the collective voice of everyone who listens. <laughs> Pretty well goes for all of our listeners, yes, right. except for a select few who actually showed that spirit of generosity. Mine is because I have the most common name in the world. It's Maddie, M-A-T-T-Y, Miller, 87. Well, I'm Pastor Matt Henry, and apparently they really like, a lot of people are liking my little comment to Tim Keller. I immediately jumped in and became snarky. He posted something. I, I don't know how you can see his statement, but I, it was about, you know, the gospel should never be, you know, or your political party should never come between sharers of the gospel or something like that. And I said, well, except when that political position is sinful, right? Right? And people are like, yeah. It's yeah. like, I mean, when you're at... Uh, it, just, it shouldn't be hard. It's, yeah. It, it's like one of those nice statements. It's what's so infuriating with Twitter and yet also intriguing. Um, it's it's a simple statement. It's like, come on. Yeah. That's one of the things I have that's a beef about Twitter in general. I mean, it. it I think in many ways tempts people to be clever, because it's so short, and much of the time what happens is people are just not as clever as they think they are. Yeah. Yeah, this is what it is. Churches must not maintain unity at the expense of the gospel. Churches should not destroy unity or fellowship over political differences. And I'm like, dude, uh, if you're if you're voting and pushing a candidate who is actively— pushing the lesbian, gay, LGBTQ, alphabet soup, or agenda, yes, that's sin. Yeah. That you're participating in that sin. Don't, don't, don't say anything else. If you're pushing for uh, the, the murder of innocent children, that's sin. Yep. And, and, and you, if, if I had knowledge of that, I would literally, unless you repented of that, you would be church-disciplined. And it's like, in the same way, if you were advocating the overthrow of the government, or it's like you, the gospel has to guide you in your political differences, mm-hmm. but you don't say, yeah, he's just a dear brother in Christ. We just happen to 
have we disagree on, on on murdering babies. Babies, yeah, yeah, dismembering them and selling the pro- parts. Yeah, that's yeah, we frown on that. That's why I think we should start a conference called Together for the Faith. I actually a guy some I don't know who he is, but he had a lot of followers, and he's like, you know what? The Together for the Gospel is done. We need to start a different one. I I don't know what it should be called, <laughs> and I'm like. Uh, my friend Matt Miller just actually suggested "Together for the Faith." I thought I thought that was an awesome idea. It, we don't know how to set up conferences, but if somebody out there listens to us. <laughs> <laughs> like the we'll, classic churchgoer, I've got a great idea, but I don't <laughs> yeah. want to execute it. <laughs> we'll execute it. We just don't know how. Yeah, I'm just teasing. Yeah. So that's kind of our first hot topic is just Twitter, right? I'm actually enjoying watching the meltdown um, take place, and I don't, I don't expect that Twitter is going to convert souls or anything else. I just like the idea that you can have a, you can actually state something. I mean, everyone's, all the conservative folks who are saying test a man. There's only a man and a woman gender or something like that, and test yeah, two hundred thousand <laughs> likes. <laughs> You know, whereas, but we don't have anything popping up saying uh, COVID, tap here for additional information on COVID, or uh, this is only partially right, lacking context, or like I got uh, on some stupid tweet I did, you know, sorry, but that one can't go out. Yeah, that's hate speech. Yeah. Yeah. I just find, I just think it's hilarious that the shadow ban was viewed as a uh, conspiracy. Yeah. Oh man. And oh. now it's what were we saying? All the there's all these conservative people who all of a sudden have thousands of followers once again in one day, yep. and all these progressives that all of a sudden have thousands less in one day. Are there ways that you can see the ones that you did? I, I mean, I'm so new to this. There, there was a guy on MSNBC that I responded to. He was commenting. He's like, with Elon Musk's takeover, literally. At a moment's notice, he can choose to dial a person back until no one knows he's posting anything, where he tweets things and nobody sees them. He's like, he literally can control their speech, and he says, until after an election. He, he, <laughs> I'm like, huh, where'd you get that idea? <laughs> it's like, like the last two years? Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, and he's just like having this mind explode. And it's like, dude, that's, that's the whole point. That's the whole point. Um, I actually have a question because one guy said, and th- th- this might be unfair to you guys. Um, and if so, I'll just take the full hit. But his, his, it was another guy who says, so basically you're okay then with free speech. So that means that if you want to have people to have targeted hate statements toward Jews, You'd be you'd be good with that, and and I actually replied to him. I'm like, yes, I'd be okay in the public sector. Emphasize public because in the private sector, you can control speech. You can tell a company can say you can't say that. Sorry, not while you're on the clock, but in the public sector, yes, that's what free speech is. And what's happened is the conversation is so turned that now hate speech is actually considered legitimate to, to uh, silence. It's like, no, no, you, because the people in power, whoever that might be, then controls the ability to determine that's hate speech and 
you can just go away. I'm actually against hate crimes even. I don't think that you should you should uh, increase the punishment because it was racially motivated or something like that. Murder is murder. Why? What's what's the difference if it was because they were a different race or not? It's does I don't know if I'm making sense, but we're we're creating these categories that go beyond right and wrong. Um, it's not you don't get stoned worse because you know in the Old Testament because it was a alien, um, a stranger. It it if you shed a person's blood, your blood shall be shed. Does that make sense? Yeah, well, I, I mean, in the sense that all murder is hate. Right. Yeah. If you steal, you steal. It doesn't matter. You know, we keep adding more laws and making it more complex when, in fact, it's actually rather simple. You steal, you need to receive the the proper punishment, that kind of thing. But what are your thoughts on, what, would you agree or disagree with me that it, all I would say is you have to be able to stop listening to that person. You have the ability to literally ignore a person who's ranting uh, foolishness. Um, you don't have to silence them. Or we could actually, like in California Penal Code, back when I was a cop, a 415 is disturbing the peace. And it used to, I can't remember the exact uh, words in the Penal Code, but it was uh, one of the ways that you could do a disturbing of the peace is if you speak in such a way that would elicit, likely elicit violent reaction. Um, and the point is that a person who punches you in the face because you face because you say something wrong, that person should not be punished for that. He has a right to react to your inflammatory words. I actually believe that. But now you you a guy says something like black lives matter they're in your face screaming at you and you punch him you're the one going to jail it's like no no we have free speech but you also have the consequences mm -hmm. of your I, I don't know if i'm making sense but yeah well, i mean you're making a distinction between the hate and then the underlying principle of free speech yeah and you're trying not to conflate those two yeah so you're not oh, for that's fancy you're not for hating jews no but what you're for is the freedom to express any thought that you yes. have. Yes. Knowing that thoughts and ideas have consequences. Yes. And then the receivers of those thoughts and opinions can choose to ignore it or do something with it. I just found out on Twitter you can mute somebody. Yeah. It's like, so why do we need to shut them down? Just hit mute. This person will never show up on my screen again if if I'm triggered. I hate that word, but... Just triggered you. I know it triggered me. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's where the distinction comes in between what's morally acceptable and what's permissible, right? It's so it's like what's acceptable can be obviously that you don't speak that way. That's just not acceptable. Um, what's permissible is a completely different matter. Yeah, yeah. Again, I and I know that might sound weird or strange, but I th I think people need to do some hard thinking about what does free speech mean. And and what does it look like? Anyhow, um, anything else on Twitter? You you post anything on Twitter yet? No. I think we have faith and fable. I find I'm, Twitter to just be a cesspool. It is. It's just a toxic, <laughs> vile. Because it it's it's free speech with zero filters. 
Well, now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but yeah, but you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. And whereas just in normal human relations, typically you have some filters. Yeah. And I think that thinking that we do virtually is now affecting how we do it in real life. And yeah. I, so I, I don't like that. I can't control it or do anything about it, but it's just this, it's a reactionary system where there's no real thought. It's just quick retweets, quick like, quick like, quick comments, and then it's just, you just move on, and there's no real thought being formed. I'm going to tweet that. I, I mean, how many, you know, I, people, they'll read through the threads sometimes, but you're just scanning it and skimming it, and you're not thinking through it well, and so everything's a yeah, hot it's take. Basically hot what topic. I call the uh, perpetual outrage machine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again... But you can choose to mute the people who are perpetually just. Yep. I I see a value in it. I I see a limited value. Um, I think it's one of those that yeah I don't to some degree yeah I think it's one of those where that to kind of take it out of context making no provision for the flesh where sure. we're only to speak words that are fitting of sound doctrine take another one out of the context. Um, but words that edify and we you know what I mean? Sure. But, but everything now in our minds is a justice issue and I need to correct this wrong thinking and mm -hmm. this untruth and this. And so we're all of a sudden the police on everything and it can just get. Well, it's a great revelatory tool, right? I mean, it totally reveals what's in the heart of mankind because that filter's that's, gone. That's a good point too, Grayson. That's very good. All right. So enough on Twitter. Yeah. Okay. So next topic is, um, the danger, what I want to discuss a little bit, is the danger uh, in pastoral ministry during, due to culture changes. So here's, here's the idea. Uh, you guys are aware of um, Julie Royce and all of the stuff she's pushing with John MacArthur, and, um, and it just keeps coming back toward me, at least, uh, by different people, because I used to be on staff there and, and, and went to seminary there. Um, but I, I've been thinking about just how I've, I've been pastoring now for 25 years, and I've had to deal with a lot of really unpleasant subjects, right? And counsel people in times of great distress. And I think about how far our culture has shifted in thinking and whatnot. Um, and so now with the Church Too and the Me Too movement, you have to believe that what if a, a woman says something, you have to believe it. You just have to believe it. Um, no questions asked. And the loss of due process, the loss of, is it uh, Proverbs 18, 17? I think it is, that the f first to plead this case appears just until a second comes to examine them. Mm -hmm. um, the, the need for uh, a, a confirming witnesses, the Bible teaches, uh, that a fact can be, be confirmed. We're, we're not allowed to do that anymore. It's just, you know, again, the Twitter, the outrage machine just kicks into high, high, uh, gear. What are your thoughts? How, you guys are younger pastors. What are your thoughts about how, what that means to you guys in your counseling when, when you're faced with a difficult marriage, um, a difficult child, uh, and the parents are there and they're frustrated, they don't know what to do, and, and you're giving them counsel? How, is that something that's in the back of your mind, do you think, or is that something that you need to begin to put in the back of your mind of what is this going to sound like five years later? Does, does that make sense? 
I never think about that. You never? No. Do you think you'll regret, regret that? No. Why? <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening. Podcast over. <laughs> um, it may have consequences, but that doesn't invalidate what's true and right. So you're willing to accept potential consequences? Well, yeah. I mean, you get into pastoral ministry, hopefully, understanding that's going to probably happen anyways. I agree. I, I, I don't think I have anything I regret, nor do I think I would change anything. But it does— I, I can't control how the future— Yes. —will um, choose to reinterpret anachronistically things I've done now. I can't, I can't live in a world of what if— you say anachronistically. I say anachronistically. For the record, I say anachronistically as well. Bam. So. <laughs> he is the court. Who's calling you? My, my wife. <laughs> you just FaceTimed her. <laughs> yes. Love you, Liddy. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, do you see, though, how that, I mean, I'm just watching people, I mean, a person saying 20 years ago, right. this is what happened. There's no evidences. There's no document. There's just hearsay, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And people are ripping into a church and a ministry and a man in ways that is frightening. And um, it, it, I find it just fascinating how it, I think it is changing the landscape of pastoral ministry. One way or the other, I I just think I think that what you're going to start to see is more and more of them say, like one of the things I'm hearing is, well, they didn't even tell them to seek professional help. Well, it's like, you know, psychological the psychological world is actually a very recent development. It was yeah. really in the '60s that it started to come into any presence. Does that? It does. I mean, the classic line I always give to people is like, you know, God forbid people had counseling issues before Freud and Jung and all these guys came to be. And when you're looking at something like this, um, I think C.S. Lewis said it was chronological snobbery, yeah, where you judge the past by the standards of today. And that's that's what we're seeing with all this, is you have modern standards that are in place. And so what they're looking at for uh, MacArthur or any of these guys, um, you know, Whatever is happening in today, whatever is that hot cultural thing, is now the standard by which you judge it. So if the Me Too movement is the prominent standard rather than the scriptures, that's going to be the foundation from which yeah. they judge what's right. And it's, for one, I'm, I'm asking the question, okay, if you want to use that, have you even determined if it's biblical to begin with? Right. And that's probably the biggest problem, right? right. That's where we divide on so many different issues, but... Well, it gets into then the stuff we've talked about in the past with CRT and social justice and um, and how these terms get turned on their head. Right. I, I even think like the idea of calling it biblical counseling is what makes it challenging because mm -hmm. we've adopted a term from the secular world. Yeah. And that's a good point. And, and biblical counseling, if you know what it actually is, is it's not that. It's not therapy. It's not. It's you're literally just bringing the scriptures to. You're discipling. Yes. You're you're help you're helping equip a person to think biblically about whatever the situation might be. But the fact that we've called it counseling now, all of a sudden, it becomes this 
thing where we're going to try and equate it to psychological or psychotherapeutic counseling. And yes. now you're going to want to bring up legal things. And it just, it, I don't, it, I think we need to change the term. So there's not as much confusion, but, but it brings in a legal question. It, right? it does. So yeah. it does, you know, uh, they're like, like, I remember, uh, it's actually still re very recent where like mandatory reporting to police, um, it back in the sixties and even the seventies, a lot of these things were just not they, you know, and they would have been handled in house quote unquote. Um, and not just in a church, but anywhere. Uh, and, and now we're coming here. It's like, they should have reported. It's like, nobody would have reported that. I, I don't know if you guys knew, but in the seventies, it, there used to be laws on the book that you were allowed to use. They're still on the books usually, um, that you're allowed to shoot a felon, one who you believe has committed a felony and he's fleeing. You're allowed to shoot him. <laughs> Just cap the guy. And well, marijuana used to be a felony. And in the seventies, they, they go running off when they're getting, going to go get arrested and the cops didn't chase them. They just shot them. And <laughs> it, okay. But I'm just saying that's my world I grew up in. And that's surprising to you guys. You're yeah. like, what? Yeah. And, and now, but now you look at the, the state of policing today and, and well, then the whole 60s, 70s movement with the hippies and everything else changed. And so states like California went a lot more liberal. And so they started saying, well, no, you can't do it for that. And so case law basically mm -hmm. obliviated all that stuff. But now you have police officers with a guy who's armed and they're saying 20, 30, 40 times, drop the gun, drop the gun. It's like, man, even back in my day in the 90s, you didn't drop the gun you were just you got one ask and or command and the trigger was gone and nobody thought anything it's like dumb you should have dropped the gun um and i'm i'm thinking about that just again in pastoral ministry as you think about male female roles um parenting you know nowadays i i have people and it's like you need to spank your child and it's like i that's abuse and you're like Okay, I, I can't. I can't make you. I'm not going to discipline you or something like that out of the church. But, but you then know that five years later they're going to be coming back to you again and saying, "My child is this and that." And he's like, "I don't. I don't have good words for you. I don't know how to help you. you, you, you there's. There's. You've chosen a cultural right norm yeah. over a biblical idea, and and the church is so." You know, they literally have it. The church has allowed itself to be so conformed to the spirit of this age that people are are offended when you talk about there is a need to submit, there is a need to respect, there is a need to obey, there is a need to sacrifice, um, and and it I I think it creates challenges for pastors because again. Years ago, you could look at uh, a married couple and talk about their roles and what's wrong, and they know it. They what they usually either they they're in open rebellion to it or they don't know how. Now you actually have to convince them. <laughs> well, yeah, the, the culture is not helping the church anymore. No, I mean it's I mean, it never really has, but it's it's overtly working against it. So now you have to undo all that before you can 
But you got to deconstruct before you can construct. Yeah. Yep. So it, it's it is that Romans twelve, right? Yep. Don't be conformed. How are you conformed? Literally, do nothing. Yep. Because it will yep. pa passively, passively shape you. So you have to actively not be passively conformed and then actively be transformed where in the renewing of your mind. So you got to have a radically biblical worldview. So with the like disciplining of children, it's just do nothing and you're going to just adopt a secular worldview of what discipline is. It's abuse. And you don't even have to work hard to land there, but the more and more that your mind and heart is shaped by the scriptures and what it has to say, you're going to have a different perspective of child rearing. Yeah. And I find that most people who make statements like that, at least in my experience, are people who don't yet have children. And it's in theory, and they're younger, and they've been more shaped by that secular approach than even people like in your generation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, in mine, when I was a kid, if I threw a fit, all the women in the supermarket, and they were only women in the supermarket because they were workers, keepers of the home while the men were working, um, all would give my mom a dirty look. It's like, you're going to smack them? <laughs> and I always got smacked. Um, and you quickly learn. Yeah, I, I toppled over an entire display of canned goods. Back in that those days, they used to stack, stack them up, up in these big pyramids. And I guess I reached out and knocked. I just remember vaguely in my memory watching this can these canned goods tumble. And I, I, and I don't remember much after that other than the horror of watching them go. And uh, I'm pretty sure that the reason I don't remember much is- Things faded to black. <laughs> <laughs> it, went, it went downhill from there, where now you, you, you're you reluctant to do any of that because you don't know who Yeah, you have no idea you. who's going to see it. And then just that, call the cops or something. Yeah, yeah. Any other thing? There was another topic we said we were going to talk about on this thing, and I, I oh, uh, one that we were talking about over dinner was um, completely unrelated. Oh yeah, uh, this is hot topic. We just hop around, <laughs> um, and this is one that's kind of coming out of preaching. But uh, when to move on? <gasps> oh yes, 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 yes. yes so yes. The, the context though was. Um, talking about evangelism and in particular being missional. Boy, a radical departure from our yeah, other topic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's probably not really a hot topic, but no. um, I, I think it, I, it's for a, certain people, I think it I might think, be though. I think this it's a hard issue. Hot topics for us guys is whatever happens to be annoying us at the time or on our mind, or we're just talking about, and we're like, Hey, we ought to talk about it on the podcast. So, and there is literally no script. We're just awkwardly sitting in a hotel room. Very awkwardly. Yes. Yes. Yeah, they're trying desperately not to touch. <laughs> I, I wish I had a picture just to There's show. There's a perfect space in between our arms. <laughs> yes. And We're, we haven't touched yet. No, so no. I've watched good. that, that, that <laughs> your, your triceps are so close at times, and then you pull away. Yeah. So you got to flex it and make the tricep quiver a little bit. Okay. Just make me nervous. Who brought him? <laughs> He he offered to go back to his room. I did, we, only, true, I did. we only have two mics, and yet we talked him into this. So yeah. we deserve it. And I'm the old guy, so you gave me my own mic. Is that honor for older people? Yeah, double honor. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, so explain. Ex so yeah, so the the, que the, que the question is, so one of the things that we push at our churches is the idea of being missional, um, which is the idea that everyone 
is a missionary, right? And yes. so you're a missionary in your context. So at your work, in your neighborhood, in your family, wherever it might be, where you are, there you are. I mean, bring, you're, you're God's beacon of the gospel. Mm. Uh, and so you need to function and think as a missionary. And so part of that is learning to do what missionaries do, which is become strategic in how you reach those around you in those particular contexts. Uh, so we, th one of the things we've observed is we've gotten very good at developing relationships with these people um, in our workplace. I think the thing you used was uh, Christians have gotten really good at taking shots well, or yeah, drinking beer, we're, we're gonna brewing take shots craft for beer. Jesus. Yeah. We're going to yeah. go to the bar. We're going to push back the brewskis. We're going to do whatever it is. We're going to go to the ball games. We will make friends with these unbelievers and never go beyond that. Yeah. Or, or if we do, we'll, we'll, we'll declare the gospel in no uncertain terms, and they don't accept it. Um, it's not even a, we'll hear this again. It's just they don't accept it. And so what we'll do is we'll keep on praying for them. We'll keep on trying to bring them the gospel. We keep on trying to be their friend. We'll just keep on, keep on, keep on. And so the question is, is there a time at which you depart? Uh, you shake the dust off your feet, to use the phrase yeah. of Jesus, yes. and you move on to somebody else or a different context. And and part of that comes with, like, we we don't know about how your small groups might work, if you have them, but you'll, you'll see people's prayer requests, right? And you see the same name, you know, pray for my niece's salvation. And you're like, that niece has been the prayer request for the last 10 years, you know? And are you actively evangelizing? Because generally, with an unbeliever, if you are actively, even not jerk, like a jerk, right? You're lovingly but still clearly proclaiming the gospel to them and calling them to repent and turn. Most of them if will at some point just say, I've had enough. Yes, yeah, stop. Yeah. And, and what they're really doing is it almost like making an excuse, or they're just clinging to that and not looking elsewhere. So back to your thing is, do you guys, I, I think I'll just start with you because this was your idea. Do you, what wh What do you think? Is there yeah. a point and how, what would be your criteria? Well, what got me thinking on it is because I am preaching through Luke and there's been time and time again where this has happened. Um, and yeah, Christ was not very missional. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's terrible. Or, or he well, did it was categories that we I mean, seriously, yeah. like many people, they say, well, he's a friend of sinners, but he's not but down what does there that tossing mean? Yeah. back shots. Yeah, what does friend mean in the like Gospel of Luke, for example? Um, yeah. Uh, well, you know, he partied at Levi's house. <laughs> Have you actually had people say that? <laughs> no, but I know that's what people are thinking. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, we've had people literally express something maybe not so bold on our page, but they've said to the same effect, like, oh, I'm, I'm going to go and one guy was actually brutally honest and said he gets high with his friends because Jesus would be that way, you know, slumming it up with those guys and affirming or participating in sin. And I'm like, did you just say schlum? Yeah. Schlepping, <laughs> schlumming. I don't know. <laughs> That's copywritten, by the way. <laughs> Chorus in the chaos. Yeah. All rights reserved. Yeah. Slemming. <laughs> it's like a uh, a schmuck of a lemming. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, so um, we are so easily led astray. <laughs> oh, a shiny object. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, so the some one of the things that's been intriguing to me. So I do. I, one of the texts that I brought up was like Act Seventeen. Yes. Where Paul's on Mars Hill, which we've been to. <laughs> yes, uh, and and he goes up there and he declares. Jesus Christ and the resurrection, which of course they think are two different deities. Um, And you had three categories of responses. You had some who accepted his message. You had some who overtly rejected. And then you had some who will hear you again on this matter. Uh, And what's so fascinating to me is he never comes back. Yeah, it says he then departed. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And he went on and he's just- I can't remember what city he went to next, but it's like, yeah, no, you won't. Yeah. And the point was, is he declared the message. He gave you the message- and that was sufficient, and and he moved on. Uh, with Jesus in Luke chapter ten, he says, "Make haste, um, move quickly. Uh, if they accept you, great. If they reject you, shake the dust off your feet as a sign of judgment against them, and quickly move on." Greeting no one on the way, and in that culture, hmm. greeting was a it's a cultural thing. They had these very long greetings where they would sit there and schlum it up with each other. <laughs> um, and he's like, and his point is emphasizing haste. Uh, there's so many people who need your message, and you declare it and move on, declare it, move on. And so uh, where it hits at home is when you have like children or you have family members. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like, how long do you keep, to then quote the soils, do you keep throwing seed on concrete or the hardened, mm-hmm. sun-baked it's the same seed. It's the same guy. But the problem there is the soil. It's the heart. Um, it's not with your technique. It's not how much you try to love that seed into the concrete because you can't do it. Um, and so it just got me thinking, is there time to move on? I think about Jesus' statements of don't cast your pearls before swine or yeah. give what is holy yes. to dogs. Uh, and again, if you know what those are in Jewish culture, he's not using kind language. So I'm I'm just curious if you guys have thoughts on or if you thought about that of is and it, the hard part is each situation's unique, right? Yep. I do. I I'm I'm a firm proponent of moving along fairly quickly to be honest with you. And part of it is just simply due to the fact that I don't have a ton of time. And so if I if I'm meeting with somebody and I get a flat no. It's not I don't understand this or I want to talk about this more. It's a flat no. I'll take him at that. And if the opportunity comes up again, it's not like I'm going to shy away from giving them the gospel or that I'm going to stop praying for them, even though I don't, they're not consuming my prayers. Um, I'm already focusing on the next person. And the reason for that is simple. Um, I'd rather spend my time speaking into the life of somebody who will actually hear me than to try and, as you said, kind of break through that concrete. Because I can't do that. I mean, that literally takes a sovereign work of the Spirit and for all I know, I may have thrown a seed and then someone else can come along in water and break ground where I can't. And so in my mind, it, we take much the same philosophy on the page and everything else we do. It's I'm If I do get into any kind of debates with people, it's literally for the sake of being instructive for others. Are so, you talking about on your blog? Yep. So it's, it's rarely a purpose of me looking at that person and thinking, I'm going to change their mind. Um, I mainly look at it and say, okay, how how would people in our church look at this and see how they might handle something apologetically or somebody that's just been poorly taught or how do I represent scripture accurately? In the same case with evangelism, um, my goal 
is never going to be something that says, um, I'm going to have a knockdown, drag him out, fight with them, and somehow convince them into the kingdom, because I can't do that. Which goes, one day we're, we have to do a series on apologetical methodology, yes. but that's a presuppositional apologetic. You, yep. it's, it is a sovereign act of God. And I, I would echo everything you guys said. Um, I'm not in any way changing any of that. I'm just in my mind as you guys were talking, I'm thinking, so when I talk to a person about Christ, um, like, or, or a situation where somebody finds out I'm a pastor, it's weird. You guys experience this perhaps? Yeah. Where because you, they find out you're a pastor, now they're going to ask you some advice. And, and, and again, all you can really say is, I can give you what the scripture says. And if they're like, I, I really don't want to hear that, I, I'm just like, okay, I got nothing for you then. Um, but so, And the same thing with the gospel. So opportunity to share the gospel, and I share the gospel. If it's rejected, it's rejected. Now, if it's, ah, I don't want to do that, but there's still a desire to maintain a relationship with me, I'll keep that relationship, and I'll look for opportunities. It's like, look, I, I can help you, or I can give you an idea, but it really is going to come from a Christian perspective, and who knows what God might open up. Yeah. That's very different than, I don't want to listen to you. All I really want to do is drink beer and watch football with you. Yep. And there comes a point where I stop, and I think you have to stop, and and then just ask the Lord to give opportunity, um, life situations, whatever, where you might be able to re-engage. But I think you do. I think you. Um, I think with parents with their children, as you I think as long as they're in the house, they need to hear the gospel. Um, when they move out, if the, if they say I don't want it that you honor that in a sense. You 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 honor the fact they don't want to hear it. They're an adult, so they're making an adult decision. Um but but you're never afraid to re-engage. Yeah. That's all I guess I'm saying is I don't but I don't think that's what you're saying is move on and never circle oh, back. Yeah, if, it's if not somebody, cut them out of your like, life, we're all done here. Like yeah, if, no. I don't think Christ would say to a person what he meant was go proclaim the gospel of the kingdom if they reject shake the dust off. But if they, you know, and then, then he'd run out of the house, wait, wait, actually, nope, too late. <laughs> dust has been shaken. I, I think, you know, right, they would have come back. Yeah, yeah. well, he, he did, he did instructed them uh, to Samaria and they were rejected. He ends up coming back eventually. Um, I'm nodding, I, people. Yes. I'm sorry, I'm nodding. So, I'm realizing so I, guess, I can't see I, that. I guess the point uh, <laughs> that I'm, th- I'm talking about is, opportunity, right? So what opportunities are you foregoing because you think you need to keep yeah. saying the same yes. thing and doing the same thing, assuming that you're going to just one time get a different outcome? Well, how often though do you think that they're doing that actually as an excuse so that they don't evangelize? I mean, again, going back to pray for my niece, I have, I'm not evangelizing, but pray for her, and I'm going to keep putting that. Who's who's your missional contact? Well, my niece. And it's like, have you actually spoken yeah. to your niece bluntly? And what was the response? And I I actually think that some people use it as their excuse not to engage a person who's literally in their cubicle next to them. Um, and and so I do. I think I think that's even something that a pastor, a, a, a group leader, whatever, needs to urge their people. It's like, I don't want to hear any more prayer requests for your niece anymore until you have come and 
shared with us how you have shared Christ with somebody else. And yeah, not, yeah. No, no, it does. Yeah. And I think if you keep preaching, especially to those with whom you do have good relationships with, it has a way of hardening all the more. Um, Mm -hmm. So I am, I keep bringing it up. I apologize, but it is what I'm preaching on. So, but I, I think about the fact that he tells his disciples, go to Samaria. They give the gospel, they reject it. And then what's their immediate question? Well, shall we just call down fire and kill them all? Um, <laughs> like, 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 I, they, they rejected judgment. Um, Jesus says, no, this is a mission of mercy, not of judgment. Move on. And then he comes back. So what's interesting to me is there's time. Yeah. But that time wasn't spent there preaching at the same people, the same thing. Yeah. Let's move on. And then when they came back, all of a sudden now there's a softening. Yep. And yeah. I, I have a, a friend right now who, I mean, literally after eight years of not talking to him because he didn't want to talk to me anymore because of coming to faith and me sharing the gospel, um, he reached back out and he wants to actually start getting together again. And he was violent, well, I wouldn't say violently, vi- virulent. There you go. I can't, I can't say, pronounce I can't it. Virulent. Vehemently. Vehemently. We're going to go with that one instead. Very. <laughs> Super. So he was, he was, he was dead set. Oh gosh. He was dead set against even talking to me. And now he wants to get back together again. And he knows exactly what I'm going to talk about. Cause even when we talked, he was like, are you, what are you doing? Are you, are you a pastor now? And I'm like, I am actually, I came on full time and um, I'll be preaching every week coming up and he goes, Oh cool. Where are your pastor at? And so even, over that span of time, his own heart, I can see, softened tremendously, which was, it's an encouragement for one, because when I came to faith, so many of my friends, I mean, hated that I was no longer getting into drugs and alcohol and all that. And so I I literally lost handfuls of friends. Um, but there's that glimmer of hope that I have once again, yeah. and he might reject it. I don't know. But at the same time, I'm not going to, I'm not going to flippantly look at that and say, okay, uh, because he rejected it eight years ago, now I'm just going to write him off and not take this opportunity to talk with him again, because who knows? So to summarize then, we would all three agree, you can literally miss opportunities to share your faith because you're so busy trying to share your faith to one who is actively resisting the gospel. And now people might come back with a theological, well, God's sovereign, so he can change. How do you know the next time? It's like, you're right. He is sovereign. So you can't say, well, maybe next time. It's But you the can seed's all, there. You, yeah, yeah, you only deal, yeah. You're given the gospel. You have given the gospel, one. That's an excellent point. And two, all you can deal with is not the what if. In fact, so many stupid decisions are made in the what if. Well, what if this and that, right? Uh, you only can deal with what is. He said no move on. And that, again, you can still be his friend, but 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 that friendship can never, it will never progress very far in depth or, right, because well, if you're a you true can't friend. share, you can't share the most basic common aspect of your life, which is your faith. Yeah. And if you're a true friend, you want that person to go to heaven. And so how could you not share that with them? I mean, even in that kind of a scenario, it's like, that's going to be on the tip of my tongue as I'm talking to them, regardless if they reject it or not, because I want to see them join me in heaven. 
I, I had a little brother, um, exceedingly disobedient in in the fullest sense of that word, and shared shared Christ, the gospel with him. He blew up at me. And so that was my only time. And this is pre-internet, email, phone, cell phones, anything. Um, but I, he, I saw him a couple of more times. Uh, he was dying. And so he wanted to see me. Um, and, and we went and saw him. And it was the most awkward time with him because I had no doubt that he was not in the faith. Um, I had, or at least severe questions. Um, and yet I was not allowed to talk. I was clear, you're not, you're not supposed to t- talk about repent and be saved. Hmm. And it's like, why are we here? Um, I, did, well, I, I didn't know what to say. You're literally at the end of your life. You, you wanted to talk with me, but Why? And I tried to bring it up a little bit, got shut down, and, and we, we departed. The last time I saw him, he was unable to talk, lying on his deathbed. He died a few hours after I kissed him on the forehead and told him I loved him. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I mean, my brother, you know, but, but he didn't want it. He didn't want to hear it. He didn't, and, and it's like, I don't know. Um, I would have done anything to tell him. I wanted to tell him. He didn't want to hear it. I, I think, again, you have to at some point accept and, and realize each of them are their own person. They stand or fall before the Lord. Um, and yeah, I, I do. I, I would agree with that. There is a time to move on. Don't use it as an excuse so that you're not faithful with the gospel. And also don't get allow yourself to get in a cul-de-sac thinking you're really fighting for the faith when in fact you're actually being used by Satan to prevent the giving of the gospel. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. Anything else you'd add to that? No. Nope. Okay. Well, that is our hot topic for the episode, um, or hot topics, right? Three of them. Three. Totally different ones, too. Twitter, pastoral counseling in shifting culture, and when to say, or when to move on. With the gospel. Anyhow, we hope that you like it. Give us your thoughts. Um, again, these things, there's no script. They're just us thinking out loud. And, but it, but I, I like these because it does give the listener a chance to kind of hear. This is kind of like when we counsel. You know, a person comes in, you have no idea yeah. what's coming. They, they, they dump it. <laughs> and you're right there. Uh, you have to come up with explanation. And so you're sometimes, I think what we're doing a lot of times is just sort of thinking out loud. Um, about so I hope that it gives them a glimpse into at least how three different pastors approach these subjects and I hope that's enlightening encouraging let us know send us at, how, how do we end this thing we don't have any well script. now we have Twitter share on Facebook Instagram yeah and Twitter and Twitter and tell a friend